Henry sisters on the 9th of June 1862 on a summer's afternoon I took the bus to Bamberg's and she was heavy laden The way we went along Collingwood Street that's on the road to Bladen Hello and welcome to CHN Radio, episode 80. I'm your host, Greg Troxell. You can follow me on Twitter, at NUFC underscore Greg. We have a... We're going to bring up the energy in this one because the match this past weekend was the opposite of what we're going to bring on this podcast. And to help me bringing up the energy with his smooth, sweet voice, Elijah Newsom. What's up? I'm, I'm stoked to be here, man. That's good. Yeah, um, excited. Uh, both of our teams won in the college football this weekend, so that was good. Good for us. Um, Georgia did what they had to do. Syracuse did what they had to do. And um, if you want to see all the hottest takes, and if you want great betting advice, because I made like a bunch of predictions for college football this past weekend, and I went a hundred percent. I got them all correct. Follow me on Twitter at Elijah. Uh, wait, what's my Twitter? At Elijah underscore Newsom. All right, I forgot my Twitter for a second. Greg, back to you. Yeah. Um, yes, that it's it's a good Twitter account at least. Yeah, I had some <clears> good <throat> tweets this weekend. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, to describe them would be bad radio because my best tweet involved a video. <laughs> But it was like, oh yes, that that was actually was like, uh, there was a moment um, because so Syracuse played Liberty University, which is a whole another story because uh, Liberty is like a pretty controversial school, very conservative Christian school. Hired a coach that does not really have the best values, and this coach, great coach Hugh Freeze, was coaching from his, a hospital bed, like overlooking the field. It's a visual to picture that in your head. He had a staph infection. At the end of the game, Syracuse's coach pointed up to him, and he gave the thumbs up back from his hospital bed. And I tweeted that video out with the caption, when your friends go out but you choose to sleep, or something like that. It was a great tweet. So <clears> could go you imagine show that some love. Could you imagine if in, in football and soccer that a coach does that? Oh, Rafa did it. People forget. I mean, not all the way, but kind of. Well, like, no, I'm talking... remember he... He was like sick or something, and then he like he like radioed uh, uh, that other attractive Spanish dude on, that used to coach for us. He like <laughs> radioed him in like tactics, and he was like telling the players, oh yeah, uh, yeah, like, yeah, what to do. And he was like at home in Liverpool, like sick. Yeah, yeah, but I won. I'm talking like literally on the sidelines on a hospital bed. That sounds like a Jose Mourinho thing. Like oh I'd be, my God, I could that so would... see him doing that. Where that like, would definitely like... go ahead. Uh, go ahead. I thought you were just gonna say something. Oh well, no. I was like, that would that would definitely be something that he would do. Great radio <laughs> for yeah. us. Great podcasting. Yeah. <laughs> um, if he sprains his ankle, like, and he has the opportunity to coach, it just 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 know he's gonna come out in crutches. He might even come out in a wheelchair. Sprained ankle is gonna have the wheelchair like propped up, be wheeling up and down the sideline. It'll be it'll be nice. Yeah, it would be. 
Um, so Elijah, what, what, what's going on with that match? That match? <laughs> this weekend, like, that was, that was tough. Oh, you're talking about what, the previous weekend. Oh, yeah, I, I've already forgotten about that. I don't even, who <laughs> yeah, did it, we it, play? It honestly seemed like two teams that were just too desperate and also not risky enough to lose. <laughs> Yeah, that's my that's my like very short synopsis of it. Um, that's very spot on. But we got a little a nice little taste of Hayden Bencherfa. We did. We got a little taste of it, and we'll get we into did. that. Uh, but the first thing we'll do is dive into some club news, and the club news is that Michael Owen is a better salesman than football player. Oh man, just killing the game right now. Yeah, he's a he's a hell of a salesman. If you say anything, the the secret's out. If you say one bad thing about Newcastle United, you're going on. You're just the, your clicks are going to go up like immensely. Okay, uh, Newcastle fans are the worst. They're so dumb. I hate <laughs> them all. Um, they care too much well, about you, the. Club. You got clicks just for saying something about them last week. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Just for saying something that was true. Oh. Uh, Imagine yeah. if I just started lying for clout. I'm gonna start doing that. Get that. Get that started. I'm just gonna start tweeting out <laughs> hot takes and see if we uh, drive up the uh, the traffic here. Mm, the hot yeah. takers. Mm. Um. So basically, what happened? Michael Owen got into a little spout with Alan Shearer, even though it wasn't really a spout. Let's be honest. But uh, he said, "I don't need to adjust myself to effing Newcastle fans." And he said he completely regrets his move to Newcastle. And then, in in a weird storm, he said, um, "Newcastle isn't a big club. It was a step down for Real Madrid." All right, nobody's arguing that it's a step down from from Real Madrid. What? Like, yeah, he said that. Like that makes no sense. Why would you well, have to feel the need to? Why would he even feel the need to point that out? I think he just wanted people to know that. That he he that his opinion I guess I I don't, I don't. Uh, someone tweeted out Michael Owens like one of the only players that's hated by the clubs the clubs he's had the longest tenure tenure at yeah yep and he's just gone on and proved it and Liverpool fans joined in as well and taking a dump on him and just yeah Greg what else did he do besides roast Newcastle fans um he said it was like the worst regret of his career. And basically, he like talked about his feud with Alan Shearer and said that he didn't want to play. And then Alan Shearer like commented back and said, "Yes, Michael, we also thought you didn't want to play while on 120k a week." Um, and then he clapped back at Alan Shearer. Yeah, and said that he wasn't loyal. And then coming. Coming from the the top deck, Luke Edwards to to clap down on Michael Owen. I I was like, whoa, didn't expect to see that. Um, Luke basically telling that Michael Owen is completely wrong, and Alan Shearer actually told Newcastle that he's not leaving. But it's like two former players that just never liked each other. That's the story. Yeah, and and, and Michael Owen's doing it to get get more attention to sell his book let's get this take going luke edwards only stepped in to get more attention to get his <laughs> reads 
to because today as well, breaking news, as first reported by this podcast, George Calkin joined The Athletic and wrote one of those Why I Joined The Athletic pieces. And you can check the tapes on this. We said that here first, specifically me. I said that. George Calkin's definitely going to The Athletic. And then Greg confirmed. And then boom, it happened. So if you ever, if anyone's reporting yeah. that, tell them to credit at CHN underscore radio. Yeah. That's it. That's all Say I get. Yeah. I mean, you're not, you don't seem as excited that we, we broke news. We always break news. That's true. That's, uh, yeah. It's actually, yeah. I got to act like I've been here before. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. So that's really all I really, I don't want to say anything else on that. I don't want to, but I oh, congratulations to George Calkin. Books. Though. Yeah. George and Calkin. to Elijah Newsom for buying a subscription to The Athletic. You Good. did? Yes. All time, man. Well, you know, <laughs> making fat money. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, um, gotta, okay, gotta going go. to youth team stuff. Uh, okay. There's not really much to report. but 30 seconds here. Right. <laughs> go, go ahead and check out our website, comminghomenewcastle.com, and you can see um, reports on that. I do like a monthly recap. My monthly recap is just read the youth team report, but don't look at the results. Uh, for the loans, um, we made some uh, – we have, we have some news to report. So okay. on the 2nd, yesterday, uh, yesterday for this report, recording, um, Newcastle announced two loans, which was interesting. We were wondering if this was going to happen. But Rolando Aarons joined League One side Wickham Wanderers. Uh, to oh, six Wickham. Month, yeah, it's a six-month six loan that will go to January. And then Akraf Lazar – uh, did a full season loan to Casenza, who's in Serie B. Uh, they're in 16th place in Serie B. Oh, yeah. Like, uh, I think this is, uh, this is actually a perfect time for my favorite segment um, and the best segment on this show. Um, Elijah reads a headline. Uh, this is Elijah reads a headline. Akraf Lazar saying, says, being axed by Rafa Benitez has cost me two years of my career. Wow. Yeah, um, or or the fact that he sucks at, at football. That's a shame. I feel so Either bad. Either one of those. Yeah, I feel so bad for a guy who's still making, what, 45, 50K a week and goes on vacation and is attractive <laughs> and gets paid to essentially do, like, have the title of being a Premier League footballer without any of the actual work. Yeah. But, yeah. So there's that. I mean, to be fair, it does suck when like you think you're good enough for a certain level and you can't achieve, and you're like not good enough. That does suck. I think everyone has gone through that, which is why we have no sympathy. I think Greg figured out pretty quickly that he wasn't going to MLB. Actually, not that quickly because didn't you play in college? Huh? Didn't you play baseball in like college? Yeah. Uh, so you, not as quickly as I figured out I wasn't going to the MLS. Are you there? Eighth grade. Oh. Yes. Yes. Well, no, I knew all the way. Yeah. Anyway. It's not like I was playing D1. <laughs> well, that's true. But, yeah. you know, there's some stories that come out. I, I mean, yeah. Heard, but but I wasn't on that trajectory ever, so yeah. I kind of knew. Oh. It's fine. Uh, anyway. I'll, I'll cry later. Yeah. You and Akraf Lazar both, because <laughs> Rafa Benitez cost you both your careers. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I'm pissed at Rafa for that. Mm. Um. Yeah, I, you know, this is just uh, 
means to an end. Yep. Um, on that, uh, but is there anything else you want to say? I mean, it's literally pointless. We're just getting guys off the books. Yeah, I mean, what else happened with the youth team? Did um, it suck still? Or? The youth team still suck. But going to the Lonies, um, there's really there's three that I want to talk about. Okay. Two that are doing well. Um, the first one, and by far the best one, is Freddie Woodman. He's killing it. Um, Swansea's top of the league, and he's saved a pen. He has three clean sheets already in six matches. Uh, he started every match. He's absolutely dominating the championship. So that's a really good sign. Maybe it's a great sign. This is finally Freddie's coming out party. Um, you could definitely see him being number two keeper, and potentially, depending on a Dubrovka sale, I mean, he might be able to make the jump. But he's absolutely dominating right now. That's huge. The other one that's really good is Kellen Watts. He's in League Two, so it's still a while to go. But and they're like second from bottom in League Two, but he's doing really well. Um, he's, he seems to make clear, concise decisions on the ball, not a lot of mistakes. The problem seems to be with them is they're not scoring, uh, but they're actually defending pretty well, and Kellen is starting every game. The other comment is Elias Sorensen, our Danish mm. prince. He is getting a little bit of playing time, coming on as a sub, like 30 minutes here or there. Still no goals, only three appearances in August, but he's getting... He's starting to get opportunities, so we'll wait and see with him. But I think I think we just he's just a lot further away than anyone expected. Um, that's that. Yeah. Any comments? Um, are the mystery man Frank Frank Collette, He hasn't played. Frank Collette? He got it. Yeah, he got injured, right? Uh, yeah, he's only played in one match, and it was with the U twenty threes actually. So he hasn't played for the U eighteens yet, even though. He's eligible because he's 17. Yeah. But they did call him up for a match. He came in as a sub-appearance, but that's it. Um, nothing, nothing, there w- it wasn't enough of a sample size. to like He didn't came on for a very short period of time. But. Yeah, I thought he was supposed to play today, but then he got scratched yep. from the team sheet, right? I was looking at that, and he, yeah, he didn't. I'm not sure what happened there. I haven't seen any reports either. I thought I saw Lee Ryder tweet out that he, that he was scratched due to an injury. Okay. But I can double check on that while you talk about our exciting match against Macclesfield Town. Macclesfield Town, yeah, we played in the Johnson or the old Johnson Paint Trophy. It's I can't remember what it's called now, the EFL Trophy. I know, but I can't remember the sponsor. But anyway, we faced off against Macclesfield. Um, the U21s did and lost two to one. The captain Luke Sharman with the goal. Uh, mm. Not really much. To, to talk about here, it's like, I mean, we had some opportunities. Some to, youngsters playing. There's yo, an 18-year-old kid playing, like a 19-year-old kid no, playing. there's a 16-year-old, mm. Elliot Anderson. And oh. y'all, he is on the Greg watch list. Oh, the Greg, the, number 67. Grab your kits now, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, Elliot Anderson might actually be nasty. He has three I'm going to go ahead and get get the kit, an Elliot Anderson kit, number sixty-seven, <laughs> so that like when he's the next English, is he English? Yeah, yeah. When he's like the next like uh, Marcus Rashford, I already have like the the original sixty-seven kit. Yeah, he oh, he yeah. came on in the like the end stages, but it's pretty awesome because 
he's only 16 and he's been killing it for, um, and even in my youth report, I, I said, like, he's a standout player for the U18s. He scored three, three matches for them. Um, he's like, he's, he's doing really well. And for a 16 year old to come up and, and get an appearance in a, like in the EFL trophy, that's a big deal. So that's showing that they're willing to try him out at even higher levels. So I would expect, and he has been called up to the U23s, but he hasn't come off the bench yet, just as a sub. Yeah, and, and, and so on it's that something note, to watch. Yeah, and, and on that note, I, I did see a quote from Steve Bruce um, that was kind of the presser from yesterday because um, if you're in the U.K., you didn't have work off, but we had work off. So um, yesterday, uh, Steve Bruce did have a presser, and he said that he was um, he's actually really excited about um, trying to integrate some of the youth players into the first team and the same whole shebang, and maybe he's serious, maybe he's not. I'm sure Rafa had similar quotes, but um, the fact that there are certain players that are kind of moving up the ranks quickly um, and playing for different, you know, age groups, that maybe that's encouraging, maybe it's not. Who knows? Yeah, the other one is Joe White. Joe White is on mm-hmm. the watch list, but I've talked to okay. him on this pod before. Uh, but Elliot Anderson is the new one. And on we him. do have confirmation. Ludwig Francelet was with, what did withdraw. Um, because he was struggling with an ankle injury. Ah, uh, I so, see, I see. So rest up, uh, young Ludwig. Ludwig. All right, well, let's – do you have anything else, Elijah, news-wise? Um, no, no. Let's hop right into this, uh, this, this match review after this uh, commercial break, I guess. Yeah, we're going to do an ad break, and we'll get to Watford right after this. All right, so a 1-1 draw. That's two straight matches with points for Newcastle United. Um, so that's that's good. That's not bad, right? Yeah, I think that's what... It, to be fair, if you look at the first four matches in a vacuum and say Newcastle are going to take away um, four points from these first four matches, you'd be okay with that. Yeah, you wouldn't be jumping I for think, joy, but yeah, you'd yeah, definitely be okay. Especially preseason, you'd think... I think before the season, I had us probably winning against Norwich, losing the other two matches, and then drawing with Watford just because I didn't, I wasn't confident in Steve Bruce, and obviously I didn't expect Watford to look as bad as they did. I definitely expect them to regress, but um, still, four points uh, is uh, is not too shabby, and is good enough for fourteenth. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So uh, we'll start the match with, or start the match review with your three words. So we'll mm. start there. So Toon Army Portland says not bottom three. Mile High Jordy says Almiron is average. Trevor Mooney says Brucey's still shite. Um, at Toon Barmy59, man, Keo must start. Coming at my boy, Ooh, Emil Crop. I love it. Um,. Brian F, I am BWF, the real Newcastle, and Don at Smick Ultra, frustrating but deserved. That's yeah, that. that's actually very that that last one hit the nail on the head for me. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I guess we can get into it. <laughs> yeah, so we'll we'll go to our starting lineup. Elijah, is there any surprises that you took away from the starting lineup that you would like to talk about first? Um, off the top of my head, I'm pretty sure it was what I kind of predicted, given the injuries, quote unquote, we had. Um, yeah, I'm 
I, I wasn't too shocked. I think there were other people that were a little shocked. Like, I think people were shocked um, that, like, guys like Almiron, who were – he didn't know if they were going to be injured or not, that they played and they ended up starting. But, um, like, I, I, don't, I don't know. I wasn't particularly shocked at the lineup. Yeah, I will say that this literally happened within an hour or two of us posting the, the last podcast that Matt Ritchie could be out for a long period of time. And I was like – God damn it, because I predicted that we would score by an own goal that was hit by Matt Ritchie. <laughs> and I was oh, like, yeah, that, well, that's, that's not awful. happening. Uh, but yeah, it was uh, Jolentoon, Almiron, LaSalle, Willems, Croft, and Atsu are all fit in this one. Um, yeah, so, so we'll get into it. Um, and when you get into it, uh, I guess we'll vote. Before we actually really get into it, there's 44,157 supporters in the stands. That is That includes 1,300 away. Um, that's the smallest St. James's Park crowd for a league game since a Monday night Premier League meeting against Wigan in December of 2012. I was there, actually. There you were. The smallest... I was, I was... What? I was. I was a sophomore in high school, Greg. Not at the game, though. No, no, I was. I definitely was. No, in spirit. Were. In spirit, I was. Um, the smallest home league crowd at St. Jesus Park? Uh, you know? Oh, you're asking me? <laughs> uh, you, I, I mean, just pick a team in the Premier League. that, uh, And I'll give you the, the year, too. 2010. Yeah, give me the year. 2010 Premier League. I'm going to go QPR. <laughs> no, Blackburn. Oh, 41,053. Well, so I... only about two and a half, a little over two and a half thousand more than that number. Can so... we talk about the fact that when Newcastle fans try to organize a protest, like they sell out, and then when they don't even try to organize a protest, we get the lowest. We get literally the lowest. Uh, yeah, and on Saturday, too. I mean, that was yeah, that's a, I don't know. Who do we need to talk to about that? <laughs> well, I think the frustration's just mounting. So, And even, I mean, well, after a win against Spurs, you wouldn't expect it. So, who knows? Yeah. Um, so, we kicked off, and it didn't last long. It was a mere two minutes. And it was, well, I guess it was not even, it was like 75 seconds, I guess. It was Will Hughes. Um, it was a shot from Cleverly from 25 yards out-ish. And it deflected off Dummett and onto LaSalle's and then Will Hughes. And he was onside and he just like easily slots it past Dubrovka. It was, I mean, it was 1v1 for Dubrovka. Dubrovka was coming out the charge. But like you can't really blame him there because the ball is getting deflected twice. Like that's, that leaves the goalie just on that alone leaves the, the keeper out in no man's land. So it was a pretty easy finish for Will, and it was one nothing Watford. Your thoughts on that play? It, it, I immediately went to. I think it was ESPN, and um, if someone wants to check the tape, I think we don't we don't have any fans that actually check the tape. When I say check the tape, but if someone wants to actually check the tape, I'm pretty sure it was ESPN, and I said this last year that had like a. Uh, a, a Premier League table, if like if luck wasn't fact, if like you factored luck into it, basically like rebuilding the Premier League table based off of like scenarios where like a team just got lucky. For example, Watford picked up points against Newcastle for like a, a, 
a uh, an elbow to the face that wasn't called, that kind of stuff. This would have been a perfect scenario for that, where it's just like double deflection into the path of a player gets Watford the draw. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a tough one. <laughs> um, well, and, and the the biggest thing, I guess the the biggest challenge with a deflating with a deflating early goal is how you respond to it, because the players are just like, man, like we got to play ninety minutes down, pretty much. Like that's at least a mindset that they are going into it. But literally two minutes later, it was a massive opportunity for Almiron. Um, it was Atsu who started it down the left. He put in a low cross into the box. It bounces and falls to Almiron at the back post. It, he seemed a little shocked that the ball was there. Um, took a pretty bad touch, and uh, uh, Foster blocked it away. But that should have been a goal right there. That could easily easily could have tied it up. Um, your boy just... Surgeon for that goal. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. It was a little bit behind him, but I mean, still, yeah. You, you at least have to have a little bit of a better effort than that. Yeah. Um. Get get to the half hour mark. Just a couple half chances for Newcastle so far, and the game was really just dragging along. And then Hayden Benchera. It was a big goal for Newcastle too. They like there was not much positivity and. Um, Dawson's effort was blocked on one end and then it was a defensive corner that Newcastle came out um, Cher advanced very far up the field and the ball goes to Croft on the right, he centers across Hayden jumps it, it lands to Cher finish, goal let's go baby I love I love Cher goals like that is, it's insane that a center back can be that productive it's Cher joy oh my lord, yeah. You, yeah. you've done did it. I did it. You've done Write it down, it. copyright it. <laughs> it's like Taco Tuesday. I've, I'm copywriting that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, shout out LeBron. <laughs> um, yeah, so massive goal. Newcastle tied it up 1-1. And that's halftime. Um, it was like a decent initial response for Newcastle. They struggled for most of the half. So did Watford. No one really like had any intention of winning this match. Uh, but it's the fact that we had that goal to, to go into half. We had an opportunity to win this. Looking good. Second half came around. And it took a while. A long, long while. There was a couple of chances. There was like three. Well, actually, I shouldn't say it took a long, long while. Within the first 15 minutes, Newcastle should have been up two or three or three to one. Yeah, I would say Newcastle looked decent in the first um, first few minutes of that. Yeah, so it was Cher um, that should have had a brace, but Longstaff whipped in. Oh yeah, Longstaff that cross. Hmm. Talk to me, talk to me, Longstaff. It was uh, Cher just Delicious. was completely unmarked, <laughs> and he just didn't connect, and it goes wide of the wide of the post, and that was a bummer. Just two minutes after that. Lascelles comes forward. He sends the ball down to Atsu, and he broke in behind Watford's back line, laid it back to Almiron, and he scuffs the shot, and then it deflected off of defender in a way. And then two minutes after that, it was Hayden. What a hit from him. Longstaff, again, spreading play, spreading the defense. Nobody wanted to, to attack Longstaff. They know that he's kind of that, can be that QB. If he wants to, and he let it, he let the ball fly, and 
uh, to Hayden, one. And then Hayden let the ball fly. And it was like a dipping shot. I mean, he tipped it out for a corner, but I was like, yo, if that if that would have went in, that's like one of those goals where you hear the roar from everyone. But it was literally, it was five, or not even, maybe four minutes of three great chances for Newcastle. We got nothing out of it. What's your thoughts on that setup of play? I, I mean, it, it was one of those where I, I think in the moment I felt as if, like, if Newcastle don't score here, they probably won't score the rest of the match because it seemed like they gave it their all for a good 15 to 20 minutes and then were completely content sitting back and playing for a draw. Yeah. Yep. Um, not too long after this one, it was Longstaff had a good effort from about 20 yards out. Atsu, Atsu played a low ball to him. Um, Longstaff took it to his right and then hits, it, hits a pretty nice low shot shot that Foster was able to gather. Um, Watford had a few chances. And then Willems had a great play. He advanced down the left-hand side. This is like the 70th minute. Uh, then he... Whipped a, a low ball, and Atsu couldn't really get it get it right. Uh, I think he was trying to figure out how am I going to hit this one. Um, like it's like if he hits that, that goes in, and if Almiron yeah. doesn't scuff two, that goes in, and like the Hayden one from twenty yards out. I mean, that's like the goalie's either going to save that or he's not. But like these are things that we need to put away. That's that's just the end of the day for me. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, Dubrovka, Dubrovka, about the 80th minute. I made note of that. Um, yeah. he like very acrobatically tipped a shot wide. Muto came on. Dubrovka made another late save. Um, oh, how about that chance right at the end by Joel and Toon? Yeah, that's tough. Um,. And well, yeah, and Muto, Muto hit the side netting, but Jolentune made the made but the Muto out. had like Muto hit the side netting because he was kind of forced at a weird angle. Yeah. Like he he kind of could have prevented that. Is one of those where like just the tactical awareness has to be a little better because he could have cut in. But that but uh, that's getting into some tactical stuff. But yeah, I mean, yeah, essentially he got forced out wide and had to take a bad shot. Joel Linton was more of like a clear cut that should be in the back of that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know what? The, at the end of the day, one one draw. It's like we're, the 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 problem. The reason why it wasn't three points is just we weren't we're not clinical enough. The the final third was not is not good enough. Um, I say that as like kind of boring the game was like it's definitely two dropped points for Newcastle rather than Watford. Um, I think we were the, we were better than them. You got you just gotta those games against especially against a team with zero points through three. You just gotta put it away at home. Put that one away. Uh, we didn't get the op- we didn't get the chance to, which is a shame. Uh, Newcastle have to be better at that moving forward. You have to be able to to finish your opportunities, especially when you're going to get that many. Not many, not many teams are going to give you that many great chances in the box, and you just have to have to put that away. No excuses. Anything that you'd like to comment on, Elijah? I mean, I, I think in general, um, it, it it was a pretty ugly and pretty gross match, and I would say that both teams kind of had spells of possession where um, they they looked decent, but 
it, it it didn't look great for either side. I think there's some glaring errors that Newcastle still have to fix. Um, and um, bless Watford's heart. I mean, I don't I don't know what they're gonna do because I I feel like that. I feel like I don't know. I just don't feel like they're going to be that great. And obviously, they're four games in with one point, so that kind of lets you know all you need to know. But um, you were you brought up that good point about like you playing these kind of rough lower league matches where you got to grind, and it's like that separates um, honestly separates Premier League winners from you know relegation people. I mean, outside of obviously you know club worth and stuff. But if you look at a team like Man City, for example. Even when teams sit back against them, they're able to break down um, and score. Even when games are ugly and gross, they're able to break down and weather the storm and end up scoring. And yes, that's the talent, but also it's a it's a team mentality. It's the it's the tactics. It's it's a lot rather than just a talent. You look at a team like Tottenham, who we parked the bus against them and kind of forced them to play an ugly style of football, and they could not compete. So if Newcastle want to secure safety. They have to be able to put away these chances. They have to be able to take advantage of the fact that like there's going to be some ugly matches between that bottom six or seven teams, and Newcastle's in that range, and so they have to be able to you know slug these out, win some of these matches because there's they're not going to be pretty. Like yeah. I, I'm sure Southampton's going to be a gross match, and Brighton's going to be gross, and I mean it's just going to be awful. And Newcastle has to find a way to to, to score some goals. Yeah, for sure. Um, we'll move into quotes now. Old Stevie Bruce said, uh, it was a really difficult start for us when you're playing against a team who've had tough times. The one thing you don't want to do is let them score early. Three deflections for the goal, and we also had a deflected one the other night. We had to dig in for a little while, but the longer the game went on, I thought the big opportunities came our way. Let's be fair. We've had two or three wonderful opportunities and haven't taken them. Overall, I've been very pleased this week. It's been a tough week, but we'll make the results we've got. Um, yeah, I'm pretty yeah. straightforward. Nothing really of substance. <laughs> it's it's unlucky. I mean, Newcastle kind of got two. The two goals Newcastle gave this week were both just like, like just just the unluckiest goals you give up. Yeah, I mean, deflected off the wall free kick, and then triple deflection goal. I mean, it's just unfortunate. And I think it's good, though, that, you know, we're not getting sliced open, uh, you know, and giving up three goals. But it, I don't know. It still sucks. Yeah, for sure. Um, some stats. Congrats to Isaac Hayden. That's 100 games in all comps for Newcastle. Nice. How, how many do you think he started? I like doing these little trivia question for you how many games did isaac hayden start in his tenure in newcastle yeah he has 100 total games how many starts 32 way higher all right 47 way higher really yeah (laughs) i feel like he didn't start that many games in the championship he didn't start starting until like i guess when shelby went injured i guess most of last season so 60 higher Okay, I, I don't think so. <laughs> 75. No way. Yeah, yeah, 75 starts I feel starts like he was a, a bench player for so long. I guess I was just wrong. Yeah. <laughs> um, Fabian Cher scored his fifth goal for Newcastle. Here's the cool part, or very interesting part, that all five of those goals have come in the Premier League in the year 2019. That is interesting. Yeah. Year of our Lord. <laughs> 
that's all the stats. Um, but I have 538 for you. And their Premier League projections for the rest of the season is that they have Newcastle finishing 15th with 42 points. Below Newcastle, we would have at 16th Sheffield United, 17th Brighton, 18th Watford, 19th Aston Villa, and 20th Norwich. Um, They also have us within three points of 12th. So, hmm. they're, they're saying that from 15th to 12th, it's, I mean, separated by just one win. So, yeah, really cool, really cool stuff, 538. Keep up the great work. Keep, yeah. Keep it up. All right, you want to you wanna pop off into the beautiful best and worst? Yeah, let's, let's get into it. Okay, so we'll start with who is your worst player? Yeah, this was actually pretty tough, but um, I mean, I think there's a couple candidates. Um, I'll go with the popular one at first because it's it goes against everything I believe in. But Miguel Almiron was 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 frustrating, I would say. Um, yeah, I wanted to get into that. I don't think worst, but I do think not far off. Yeah, I would say that people would. I think I would get accused by certain Twitter accounts of being a Miguel Almiron like. Homer, if I didn't mention that he would, that he didn't play particularly well. Mm-hmm. There were moments of brilliance, like there always is, very much Ota like moments of brilliance. I but mean, there could have had two goals. Huh? Could, yeah, could have had almost two scored multiple times. Yeah. Um, and I think the biggest thing uh, is the offsides. Yeah, five out of Newcastle sixes, six offsides calls were all Miguel Amiron. And I mean, there was a couple that were like. There's a couple that it didn't seem like it was really his fault. He was just kind of like reacting to the fact that there was a loose ball and it just so happened that he was offsides because he was kind of about to reset his run or something. But there were there were a couple in there that were just like, you need to slow down and time your run. Um, almost looking too fast for the Premier League at some times. But I don't know. I think just it had to be noted that he, was, uh, he wasn't particularly great. But I think Joel Linton was my worst player. Cool. Um, Definitely was. He just, yeah, he just wasn't good. Um, he wasn't too involved. I didn't see him. I didn't see him dropping. And it's one of those things where it's uh, you're going up against a pretty inferior defense. And um, I was just expecting him to do a little bit more off the ball, uh, make some more runs, um, especially when you have the pace of Miguel and Atsu alongside you. And he kind of just just wasn't. Um, effective i think in times where he dropped into the midfield he was not great i mean it was like one of those where it's like why are you even dropping in the midfield if you're not gonna you know have a good pass or create or create any sort of chance and then like when he was up top he kind of isolated himself at times and just i honestly can't even remember him making a good run um during the match so just yeah joel into not not great yeah um it's yeah, I, I completely agree. I think that I think we're going to get this more from a 22-year-old, uh, a little bit more inconsistencies. But the way he played against Spurs was not at all the way he played against Watford, and that 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 is something that we need to work on. That's what the coaching staff needs to work on. Um, they need to get that Spurs performance out of him a week in and week out, and that just wasn't the case. He's not my worst player because he didn't play like that. It's just because, I mean, he couldn't do anything. 
he he got on the ball enough, but he never put himself in position to score. And when you're a striker that has ability for hold up play and to face up your defenders and make plays, you have to you have to create chances with that. And he just and, wasn't and, able yeah. to. And this is a pointless team on, on the bottom of the table at home, which yeah, you know, can't can't have. And that, that separates the good strikers from the great strikers is that like there are strikers that are good where it's like you know they'll put, if you if they're given the opportunity they'll score the goals and then the great strikers the Agueros the the Canes I mean if you want to put Salah in that situation it's like no matter what they're going to create chances for themselves they're going to find ways to get open they're going to frustrate defenses and like Joel Linton could be that type of player but right now he's just kind of in that peak his peak is going to be good because yeah. he's like if the chance is there it's like he can be brilliant he can he can finish but like if the chances aren't coming he's not doing anything to to help create opportunities for himself and i yeah you're right it's very frustrating are there any other players you think deserve a little bit of a talking to um i i just wanted to not really i just wanted to mention uh miguel again i i may i raise this concern i think in the last review you've raised it every single review i know you're gonna say you've said it every single time about amron yes oh okay maybe maybe to you but i haven't said it a lot on the pod no you have you've said it every single time yeah i just like amron needs to stop the first game he got he got carded for it well no not that i wasn't going to talk about the dives oh i Uh, thought you were talking about the dives uh no amron needs to stop and think that's that's really what it is like he knows he's faster but he's He's losing his creative juices because he just thinks he can outrun people. He needs, like at the Premier League, he needs to understand that regardless of the team he's playing, like these are some of the best teams in the world, regardless of their their position at the table. And he needs to understand that like he needs to use more of his weapons to beat people in this league. Uh, MLS, yeah, like if he's going up against like, Austin Trusty of the Philadelphia Union, like oh. he's going to burn right by him. But it's he, true. Like he's not going up against Austin Trusty of the Philadelphia. He's going up against like a Premier League center back, and it's just a different different ball game. And he needs to be able to. He needs to stop. So I would love to see him sprint, stop, recollect himself, and then make a forward play with the ball instead of run full, run full, run full, fall, lose possession. Like that's that's not helping us at all. And that's where a lot of the frustration is. Everyone, no one would deny that he has a really good talent. It's now he needs to find a way to use it in this league. And that's that's the biggest issue well, that he has. Yeah. You know, no one's saying that he's crap. Uh, but what what they're what they are I mean they could audibly say that Almiron's crap, but that everyone sees that there is a lot of talent there. It's just not being used correctly. And it's on the player. The player needs to figure that out. And the coach yeah. it would be nice if the coach could draw it out, but I'm not expecting that. Yeah, you're not expecting. If it was Rafa, you think that you? I don't think this would we'd be having this conversation because, like, Rafa is much better at drawing the best out of his players. It's one. It's it's one of the little things that it's like ah, I missed that about Rafa. It's like I don't know if Steve Bruce is like that because it doesn't seem like his players are particularly challenged by him. But with Rafa, he would challenge you to be better and challenge you to to do certain things and force you to play a certain way in order to get the best out of you. And it, I think it's frustrating for me as well because. I, watching with Atlanta, there were times where it's like you saw his brilliance in full effect. Where it's like 
he would take time to slow things down. And I think it was, uh, I think it's part of a confidence thing, right? I think in MLS, he he just knew he was better than some of the defenders he'd come up against. So he would slow down things, like take time to just like ping balls places and, and, you know, use skill moves. But here, I think it's like, I think he, I don't know if he's completely confident that he's the best player on the pitch all the time. And he just knows that if I'm not the best, I'm at least the fastest. And he relies so much on the speed and uh, it's it's not a good trait, um, especially because, I mean, a confident Miguel is obviously better than an unconfident Miguel, and I think you'd rather be playing with the confident Miguel. Yeah. Um, best player, who who you got? Man, this was actually pretty tough. Um, I, I think my best player, I'm going to go Sean Longstep. Oh, I think. yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry for anyone who had to hear that noise. Yes. Uh, he was just, he was good. He created a few chances. Um, he just looked really comfortable in the midfield again. The, the Hayden Longstaff partnership looks like it's here to stay, and it looks like it's really good. Sorry, John Joe Shelby. I mean, if you really care and you really want to, you know, like regain your spot in the team, I mean, do better. I mean, that's all I can really say because Longstaff and Hayden look like they're the future, and. They're kicking butt, and I hope that we sign them to multi-year deals. Um, Sean Longstaff looked good. It looked like things were all just wonderfully coming together, and he's that he has something a little something a little bit different to him. And there's definitely, I mean, a lot of it is bias on my part, but there's something different about him when he's when he's on. That he has like a, I don't know, like a star power or something. But when he's making plays, it's just like, everyone's like, whoa, dang, like, who is this kid? Like, I feel like when he does something, everyone notices. So, um, Reminds me of De Bruyne. What's that? It reminds me of like Kevin De Bruyne. Yeah, like yeah. When, he, when Man City kind of first signed him, whereas like, like there are moments where it's like, you, you could tell he belonged to Premier League, but then they were just like, matches he'd have and of course he became consistent and he's now the kdb we know today but i mean there were just some matches in his first season with man city where it was just like oh yeah this this guy is like clearly the best player and it's just like i don't know it's the same kind of thing where it's like long staff sometimes it's like okay you know he he belongs doesn't look out of place you know it wasn't a fluke and then he just has matches where he's like just newcastle's best player and it's like like you said there's just things he does and you're just like wow that's all you can really say is just wow. Yeah, and I don't know. I I mean, I hope Sean Longstaff turns into a De Bruyne type player. That'd be uh, great for Newcastle. Yep. Um, I just love Sean Longstaff, guys. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's, we know it's I confess. borderline creepy. Yeah. <laughs> I, so. I confess. Um, shout outs, Christian oh, Atsu yes. again. Oh, oh yeah, and obviously Fabian Chair. Yeah, that that whole uh, right, 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 what left side maybe left side. Mm-hmm. The whole left side was great. Jetro Willems, I'm going to give him a shout out um, because uh, the, that was the best appearance he's had as a Newcastle player. Um, to be fair, he didn't really have insanely great opportunities beforehand. Came off the bench. I mean, he had preseason, but I mean, he created a chance. He looked good going forward. Um, just looked a little bit more comfortable in his role as a left wing back. And um, the Richie injury, as bad as it is, 
Um, it is going to provide uh, Williams with the opportunity to kind of grow into that role and become a better player. It's going to force him to be a better left wing back because we don't have any other left wing backs. I mean, our only other option is to change formations and go four in the back, which um, given our personnel is not ideal. Um, so I just think I'm excited to see Willems kind of develop and continue to play well. I hope this game's um, the first of many games where he uh, kind of gets back to his um, his what was he Monaco before Ajax maybe Ajax he's at Ajax right yeah yeah he's at Ajax his Ajax ways that kind of drew Newcastle to him in the first place also shout out to Isaac Hayden uh just still just really good um I don't really know what else to say about that I mean he was just good love it um all right so we're gonna move to your questions and we are going to do that right after this break and you're gonna want to stay tuned because it's your question right after this all right we got three questions elijah Mm. we'll start with what looks to be a philly toon army member james laurie philly represent oh okay do you think philadelphia do you think we'll be in the bottom three at christmas Um, no, because we have that um, pretty, I would say, we have that 10 games right before pr- Christmas that are very winnable. Like in classic Newcastle form, we can kind of enter January with a lot of momentum and then not sign any players and then struggle. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so I, I'm, I'm going to go, we're going to probably be in 16th. Yeah, I, I, don't, Christmas. I don't think so either that, that we'll be in the bottom three. Um. I'm I'm saying this very lightly, but we have about well no we have like one tough match a month at least. Couple yeah. like uh I know there's two tough ones in October. We have Manchester United and Chelsea. Well and then you get Man City o- October on, we right? might go winless. Um, yeah. We don't we play Man City in like when do we play Man City next? November thirtieth. Okay. Um, we, have t- we have Liverpool next. Yeah, is- but like December, Sheffield, Southampton, Burnley, Crystal Palace, Man United, Everton. Like we can we can make up some ground on the in December. Um, I, I just I think it, with what I've seen in the last two league matches, like we might we'll have enough to at least compete. Yeah. Um, that's that's my guess. I think we're both on the same page there. I would say we're also the most optimistic podcast for Newcastle. Yeah, I would agree with that too. But also, yeah. like, I don't think, I really don't think this team's bad enough to go down right now. Yeah, and 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 we I, say I this did, as, I did before the season. Well, I even pre- I predicted that we'd stay up, but but you said, but you also also uh, said we would go down. Yeah, I had concern. I have concern. I still you, do, you, but there's just you basically did. You basically hopped on both takes. Which yeah, is very smart of you <laughs> by like saying in one, like in one space. I I'm, think like an article, maybe you said we were going to get relegated, and then on the podcast you said we wouldn't, or vice versa. Yeah, no, on the podcast I said 16th. In real life, <laughs> I said 18th. That way, yeah. that way I'm always right. It's it's yeah, it really works out. <laughs> it's, it's, it's BS, is what it is. <laughs> um. Let's see. Uh, more questions. This beautiful question is from Toon Army Denver. 
And he says, what does Miggy need to get his first goal for Newcastle United? My answer is going to be kind of the same. Like he just needs to slow the game down in his mind. Um, but I'm interested to hear your answer more, Elijah. I mean, given the how Newcastle have created chances, he just needs to be in the right place at the right time. I mean, like if if he's if he's kind of hovering around that penalty box area and keeps shooting on target, eventually he'll go in. Um, like he could be, he could essentially play the same he is now. And just by the just like pure by pure chance he'll score a goal, just based on the opportunity, like how many chances he'll get by just being kind of the same sort of frustrating player. Now, if he does what Greg is saying and slows down, then obviously he he'll score his first goal sooner. But technically speaking, I don't think he has to do anything right now in order to score his first goal because it'll just happen. Okay. Well, let's hope he scores his first goal sooner. I mean, oh, the hope is that. I'm just <laughs> telling you my opinion okay. watching Newcastle is that, like, they, they like, have so many random-ass chances that, like, yep. if he's just in the area, like, he'll just score. Yeah. Um, his final third to Norby Denver has always been suspect. Um, even at Atlanta it was, but... Oh, yeah. He was uh, skying shots left and right. Yeah, yeah. He's never been known as a finisher, and that's even self-admitted. I mean, Almiron has said himself, I've never scored a ton of goals, but uh, he has created a ton of chances, and that that's the one part that I'm a little concerned by, is like that's not happening right now. Um, and I, I think he's just... And Chris Woff, we, we've mentioned this already, but I'll mention it again. As Chris Woff said, like, you, know, we, we, you need to get that goal or even that assist because – and then it, then it will start flowing because I think there's just pressure piling up that, that he's putting that on himself. Like, man, maybe I'm not good enough. And, like, that starts messing with your confidence and that we just need it to happen soon. That's, yeah, that's it, I don't even know if it's it, – uh, like, I don't know. Part of me – tell part of it, like – and this is going to Roberto Rojas. Like, the confidence is always there with Newcastle, no, with, with Almiron. Like, that's something that Roberto said and that guys at Lane United said. Um, they said to watch out for is that, like, he likes to just, like, I think it's more of perception for him where he's, like, he, he I think he's confident that he belongs, but I think he just, he knows that if he doesn't score that the fans will get restless. And he, I think he values the opinions of fans and stuff. Maybe a little bit too much um mm-hmm. and you know we've seen players like that and sometimes it works out well for them sometimes it doesn't um but like he doesn't have much to prove i mean he had he was like one of the best players in copa america this past summer and he was you know bossing up argentina it's like he's doing this against you know premier league and la liga defenders absolutely embarrassing them and playing in one of the most competitive tournaments that was played this summer and I don't know. So I think like the confidence. I think he knows he's good enough, and I think he has the confidence. I think he he's going to score just to get over that hump and, yeah. and kind of set himself at ease. All right. And then the last question from the questionnaire of CHN Radio, Trevor Mooney at Trevor Mooney twelve says: After drawing Watford, what do you think Brucey will draw next? One, a self-portrait holding a trophy. LOL. Two. Sunderland starting 11, making their debut in League 2 next season. Or three, a beautiful rendition of a sunset over the Tyne River. 
Yeah, we got to think into the mind of Brucey here. This is tough. I'm going to go with number one, holding a self a self portrait, holding a trophy. You know, that's something that you know he hasn't he hasn't done. So he wants to experience it and be able to put it up on his wall as like, hey, like this is me holding a trophy. This is what it would look like. Um, you know, as tough as it is to say, he might still like the Macums a little bit. So I don't think he'd trash them. And I mean, the number three is definitely a realistic option. But I just think he wants to see what he would look like holding the trophy. Interesting. I see that and I raise you this. Ooh. Steve Bruce will be drawing number two. Oh. Sunderland starting eleven, making their debut in League Two next season, because Sunderland's gonna give him an offer he can't refuse. The opportunity to return a once decent club to the Premier League. And Brucey can't turn down the, the chance at redemption. Working a team up, wow. adding on to it his promotion record. Like, that whole idea, and plus Rafa Benitez is coming back once we have the takeover in December. So, um, you know. that. that oh, my gosh. So many bombs has dropped. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I went there. So, um, yeah, tweet at me. If, you, if, you're mad at, if you're mad at me, tweet at me. I don't know why anyone would be mad at that. That's a really ideal scenario for everyone involved. That so, would be great. Yeah, I would Yeah, I think that. that's like, it's like the perfect ending. That's like a lifetime movie. For sure. <laughs> if you didn't get that reference, you're probably British, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's very American. Well, I'm, I mean, I don't think they have Lifetime, but it's very American. Like, think that. BBC, uh, like, no. crime show with a, like, a, like a love interest where it just <laughs> always works out in the end. Yeah, it's just very American. We'll just call it that. Yeah. yeah. All right. Do you have anything else, Elijah? Um, be sure to check out what people are writing on the site. Greg put up some articles today. Um, I'll probably be getting back in the swing of things writing. Um, if you aren't following the the main account at Coming Home in UFC, uh, be sure to do that. If you're kind of newish to the podcast, you just started listening in the summer. I know that we've gained a couple listeners. Shout out to the people who followed me on Instagram, which was hilarious. You don't have to do that. Um, if you're kind of newish to the podcast, uh, international breaks coming up, and we do uh, things a little bit different right international breaks. So I'm excited about um our international break slate of pods that we have coming up. Yeah. Really cool. All right. Well, that concludes episode 80 of CHN radio. I'm your host, Greg Troxel. That is the best damn co-host in the land. And this is the only black and white podcast for Newcastle United. And this beautiful song you hear is coming home. Newcastle, a song written for this podcast coming home. Newcastle radio. I hope you have a great international break and away the last. But I wish I was on the case side, looking at the old time bridge. I'm coming home, Newcastle. I might as well have been in jail. I'd walk the streets all day. I'll need for a bottle of your own brown hill. I'm coming home, Newcastle. If you never win the club again, I'll brave the dark at St. James's Park if the Gallagher's end in the rain. I'm coming home. To be a Jody and to live in Jody land. Some people think we're bawdy and we're hard to understand. In 
And they say it's just self-pity And we're not so very tough Cause the people in the big fat city Haven't had it tough as rough I'm coming home, Newcastle You can keep your London wine Walk the streets all day, I'll meet for a bottle of the River Tyne I'm coming home, Newcastle, I wish I'd never been away I'd kiss the ground for the welcome sound in me mother saying, hey, how are I'm coming home And I miss the old blind busker who stands at Phoenix door he plays a mean accordion, you've all seen him there before And I love the Geordie heroes, there's so many famous names Like Lindisfarne in Gaza, Brendan Foster in the Gateshead Games I'm coming home, Newcastle, I might as well have been in jail I'd walk the streets all day, I'll need for a bottle of your own brown ale I'm coming home, Newcastle, if you never win the cup again Brave the darkness in James's Park in the Gallagher's end in the rain I'm coming home, Newcastle You can keep your London wine I'd walk the streets all day I'll meet for a bottle of the River Tyne I'm coming home, Newcastle I wish I'd never been away I'd kiss the ground for the welcome sound in me mother saying, hey, how we I'm coming home, Newcastle I might as well have been in jail Walk the streets all day, I'll meet for a bottle of your own brown nail I'm coming home, Newcastle, if you never win the cup again I'll brave the dog, it's in James's park, in the Gallagher's end in the rain I'm coming home